0: Um, hi everyone, welcome to this instalment of our Spotlight series and welcome to Andy Mackin who's actually sitting opposite me today. Hi Chris. In New York.
1: Yeah, hi. It's um, it's a special treat being uh, with you in the flesh. Um, you'll have to um, excuse my jet-lagged brain as we try to make our way through this podcast because that, fine, I'm <laughs> a, just, a little
0: rough. I'm just happy to have you here three-dimensionally. Um, look, a couple of things that I think we should talk about today. The first thing we should talk about uh, is what's been going on over the last few weeks, because we've just come through another quarterly earnings period for the market and also for the stocks that we own in our portfolio. And I think there's been some interesting developments there, definitely some things that we've learned about the operating conditions and the business environment for the stocks we own, um, but also a lot of the progress that's been happening there uh, in those companies. So I think we should talk about that I think we should also talk about um, our views and our perspective on what's been happening in the market as recently as the last few trading days as well, because there's been uh, some significant developments there and some very volatile um, price movements uh, in equities especially, but, but also in, in other asset classes. So yeah. uh, why don't we kick off just talking about where we've been, and what what uh, what's been going on over the last few weeks?
1: How yeah, do you see it? yeah. I mean, it, it really feels like the market's myopia is at extreme levels at the moment. So, like, we're seeing really outsized stock price moves, and up until a few days ago, particularly to the downside, uh, in many cases that don't actually reflect the fundamentals. So. Um, You know, we'll dig into some areas of of focus or specific areas of focus in a minute, I'm sure. But um, I think at a high level, what's happening is, you know, is there a slowdown economically? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, And so that's really uh, starting to tangibly affect the revenue lines of many businesses. Um, Yes, many companies are also adjusting their cost bases. Um, to reflect the slowdown in the top line, but this comes with a lag. And so what happens right in the moment is that you sort of get this like temporary crunch in profits. Um, Can
0: we call it it indigestion?
1: You can call it indigestion because, well, assuming it's temporary and you can recover from your indigestion. um, But, yes, that's what it is. Uh, uh, But it's almost as if the stock market is baking in, The or sort of implicitly assuming that the indigestion will never go away, so to speak. Um, And what that's doing is then causing essentially a compression in the valuation multiple of those earnings. And so you're getting this dynamic of, you know, compressed multiple times compressed, temporarily uh, compressed earnings level to arrive at these, in our view, excessively sort of oversold. Uh, stock prices, Um, because what will actually happen over time is that the the economy will transition from cyclical downturn back to cyclical upturn in time. Um, You know, when that happens, costs, which are are now being, uh, you know, reined in, will be growing at a much slower rate, and the combination of those two things means when we come out the other side of this, profits will actually be accelerating quite sharply. And you'll have all of that against a backdrop of, you know, as I said today, very depressed market multiples because this sort of market myopia is assuming that the depressed level of earnings are kind of here to stay forever, which just doesn't make a lot of sense. So you, you that's kind of how we f- are framing or how we would characterise what's happened in the last few weeks and through this earnings period. Um, but it really does suggest, as we've been Arguing for a while that uh, in many cases uh, high quality businesses are really oversold and therefore really undervalued, and it's actually a really big opportunity today. It's been
0: happening all year, and I just wanted to put some numbers around that: Um, Amazon, Microsoft, and Alphabet are down on average from the start of the year to now. The stock prices of the of those uh, those businesses are down by a third on average, and at their lowest point a couple of weeks ago down by more than 40% for the year. Some of the biggest, most advantage growing companies um, that the world, not just in the world today, but the world that the world's ever seen. And we also saw some pretty violent stock price reactions right around um, the earnings reports going back a couple of weeks now. It's probably worth talking a little bit about some of those examples and how we saw the difference in the cyclical temporary Slowdowns that are happening in these businesses, and they're not immune, no matter how big an advantage they are compared to um, some of the fundamental progress that we actually noticed in those businesses as well. So, which one or ones struck you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a common theme, you know, whether you're talking about the alternative asset managers that that we uh, believe in, such as Blackstone and KKR and others. Um, all the way through to you know cloud players or enterprise SaaS um, leaders. I mean, if if you start with the alternative asset managers, so you know, yes, they talked about fundraising is becoming a little more difficult. Um, although Blackstone keeps raising tons of money, but but you know, all else being equal, yes, the fundraising environment is is starting to get a bit tougher. Will that slow down over time the the sort of growth of the asset base? Yes, it will on the margin. Um, will that therefore slow revenue growth on the market? Yes, it will. But you take a step back, has anything actually changed about the long-term opportunity uh, with respect to, you know, the structural allocation of of, um, assets towards um, this asset class, alternatives? And and we just don't think it has. So, you know, there's this kind of a a cyclical downturn, but the long-term structural trend remains unchanged. And I think, I think you're going to see that across a, a few different areas that we're interested in.
0: Well, I think collectively now, the three asset managers, alternative asset managers that we're invested in, Blackstone, KKR, and Carlisle manage almost $2 trillion between them. And you made the point that their growth will slow down, but they're still seeing growth. Right. They're not going backwards. Mm-hmm. So it's that rate of growth might be ebbing and flowing the amount of assets that they they run continues to increase quarter over quarter i think the other really interesting thing about owning those businesses is that they have a very very resilient revenue line because they take fees based on the amount of money that was committed in the first place they don't have that mark to market exposure and so their revenue lines are quite predictable Mm. quite durable even through a cycle yeah the growth Rates might change and bobble around, but the revenue lines are pretty
1: stable. And it's funny you could you could take your description of the alternative asset managers and just cross out alternative asset managers and replace it with cloud providers, <laughs> and the dynamic is pretty similar, right? Yeah. Like these are these yeah. these businesses—they're enormous but continue to grow very strongly, but sequentially, just a little bit less strongly than you know last quarter or the quarter yeah. before um okay so there's a little bit of deceleration in the in the short run we think that that's going to be you know tied to the economic cycle and will last for a a short period of time and then come back um but as we assess it nothing has changed about the you know long-term structural growth um, associated with the, uh, you know, the digital transformation of every enterprise and government organisation on planet Earth and, and therefore demand for cloud computing services.
0: It's amazing to look at those businesses and see their growth rates moderate to levels of 37% and 28%. I mean, this is, yeah. hy- it's still hyper growth. And, um, you know, their backlogs, their multi-year commitments that customers have made to use their their cloud platforms are still in the hundreds of billions of dollars in total i mean it's it's still over 100 billion dollars mm. for for amazon's aws business so the commitments are still there customers are going to be there next year the year after 5 years away from now um, but what we heard was that amazon and microsoft are working with their customers and they're sort of prioritizing um, optimization projects to help their customers save a little bit of money and spend a little bit less now in return for returning to those growth projects and shifting other workloads to the cloud um, to help them you know, their customers boost their revenue lines a little bit later in the piece. So to me, nothing's gone away there. They've just shift the timing of the projects and how they'll ultimately recognise all of the revenues in the business that their customers have already committed to. So that that sounds, uh, you know, that long-term, that sounds really, really good and really, really attractive. Um, of course, stock price appreciation doesn't come evenly, and I don't think, you know, anyone that's ever run a business before will know that growth and progress doesn't necessarily come evenly either. So we're seeing a blip in the growth rate in cloud computing platforms, you know, down from rates of 40% plus to maybe high 30s, mid-30s, high 20s which is still astounding it's yeah still really promising
1: so look we we really have you know no concerns there um now one area where there is clear evidence of weakness um is in advertising mm-hmm. um and yeah. uh, particularly in europe um because that's where the the uh, economic challenges and and obviously geopolitical challenges are, are much more significant um and also just the nature of advertising as we've discussed in the past like it's much more discretionary like if you're a advertising customer and you're you know facing your own economic challenges or your own um sort of uh pressures on the top line advertising is something you can really switch off quickly uh and similarly you can switch it back on uh when the when the cycle turns um and i i guess i would say for the for the major advertisers such as your um googles and your your metas um the this slowdown in the top line has come at a time when significant investments in the business particularly in r&d um have remained strong now they're, (laughs) they're they're rapidly moving to um uh sort of rein those in a bit now and and you know there are headlines of significant um you know Uh, redundancies in in many of these uh technology businesses including meta and others um but as i said right up front so it takes a little bit of time you get this sort of this indigestion as you Mm -hmm. put it this like this crunch in profits in the in the moment that where the top line really feels some pressures and you haven't actually dealt with your your cost base in the moment but that's coming in the future um and so uh you know you've seen particularly in meta um um you've seen a a very uh, sharp derating uh in the valuation multiple uh i believe on the basis that earnings have sort of been crunched so significantly in the moment in the short run um however again as i said (laughs) the like the fundamental implication here by the market is that these depressed levels of earnings are going to, you know, remain or get worse for the rest of time and that just does not make logical sense that does not make economic sense um for a whole range of reasons but you know in in short that you know the cycle will turn revenues will uh reaccelerate over time and that reacceleration will come at a time when actually the cost base is uh is being dealt with in a far more significant way, and you'll get this acceleration in profitability.
0: And we we seen we're seeing that happen. Um, Zuckerberg wrote a letter to his employees last week, and it was it was uh, quite stark. You know, he really laid out the reason for that opex growth or operating cost growth that we've seen over the last probably year or two since the pandemic, and he. He uh, he shouldered the blame and said that there'd been a real acceleration, particularly in e-commerce, and he wanted to invest behind that. And we saw a similar sort of thing with Amazon, building out their fulfilment centres, hiring more people. And it turned out that while e-commerce is obviously still increasing, it's gone back to sort of the trajectory that it was on pre-pandemic. It uh, didn't really hold that acceleration. And so now we're seeing those businesses make changes to respond to not just not just that changing path of of e-commerce, um, but but also a softer macro environment. Yeah, quite frankly, and some other changes that have happened for Meta as well. But uh, I think it's quite promising again that these large technology platform companies are able to to really pull that cost lever, and yet they can still invest in the most important technologies and technologies that will create um, and maintain their advantages over time so i think they'll just come out of it stronger for having um, gone through this exercise and i don't think their competitors are able
1: to do this yeah and i know there's um there's a lot of interest in meta obviously there's a lot of um press about um this business uh and we'll we'll actually, share some more detailed thoughts in our next monocle in uh, the December version of the monocle so so look out for that i, I will just just because I can't resist in terms You're of front runner, right? well, no, I won't go through all the details because we'll give, give us some headlines uh, but just in terms of on the on the topic of nonsensical stock price moves, um you know since the beginning of the year, meta's value is down by around about seven hundred billion u s dollars. Or call it a trillion Aussie. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of narratives out there, oh, well, you know, he's wasting so much money on the metaverse and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it is a rounding error compared to the change in value. I mean, you know, he's even if that ten billion dollars a year that he's throwing at the metaverse, you know, never returns a dime. So you um, just see, it just throws it out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's still that's still a tiny fraction. I mean, you could he could be spending seven times that amount forever into infinity mm-hmm. and never earn a dime in, in return to yeah. justify that that change in, in value yeah. since the beginning of the year. So it it just does not make sense. It's 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 really that 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 shift in um the shift in the, the business's value um really has very little to do with the metaverse but you wouldn't know it if you just read the press and listen to the narrative so so i guess that's what i'd say is like what what we're trying to do and, and and i've always tried to do is just look through whatever narrative is popular in the moment and actually just try to analyze the numbers um and uh, yeah, you might be surprised. We'll share we'll share with you next month what we've come up with. But I mean, a lot of the uh, popular narratives today uh, are just not consistent mm. with the numbers uh, on the page. Well, it's a business that still makes
0: forty billion dollars in operating income, and has a market cap of less than three hundred billion dollars today. So starting yeah. right there, um, that's a that's a great equation to think of the. The, the earnings yield or the multiple, and then to think that as the company pulls on that cost lever and growth returns. And there's some great, there was some, some great numbers, some great statistics to come out of the latest results. It really talked about Reels gaining share. and Reels hasn't been around that long, but now gaining share in short-form videos against competitors, namely TikTok. Um, the advertising business getting better and better. WhatsApp as a business now uh, uh, earning nine billion dollars a year. So there's been some great fundamental progress that, to me, demonstrates that um, this is the most one of one of two of the most important businesses in digital advertising. And digital advertising is still growing. So I think we're pretty sure that um, Meta is going to continue to grow its its top line quite quickly for a long, long time. At exactly the point in time where they're saying we're going to pull back on. All the expenses that we've we've taken on over the last few years, so it's a great valuation, and we'll flesh it out some more. And also, there's some really high
1: growth in earnings power to to come from here. I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's when you just you know assess the numbers in a very sober way, uh, you know, to be selling the stock where it is today or where it's fallen to recently. It just does not make sense. In fact, any, anybody who's selling the stock, um, really you're selling it because the price has fallen. Yeah. And that's really not a logical reason to sell a stock. Um, um,
0: well, let's let's switch gears for a moment then. And um, I, I, think, I think one very interesting question um, that we've heard recently is that if we're in... Uh, an environment of economic softness or weakness, and we can see some of these revenue lines decelerating. Um, why be invested in these stocks at this point in time? Um, how are you ever going to make money? Why don't we just why don't we just wait until we pass through the economic malaise until we get over some of the uncertainties we're seeing around the world until the top line, uh, in Flex at meta and these other companies and the costs really do pull back why, why don't we just why don't we just wait a year and invest then what would be your first response to that
1: well the stock price will likely have moved well before <laughs> well <laughs> before that actually happens because the stock market even though we said right up front that you know it's myopia is at extreme levels uh today and it is very you know short-term focus um i think as you know as the interest rate hikes start to slow down and inflation peaks and starts to decelerate and just the market environment starts to become a little less uh, uh, uncomfortable, that my- myopia will lift pretty quickly and um, the market and investors will start to look out beyond you know, the next quarter or two and will start to look out beyond the next year or two and, and hopefully longer. And when they do that, Um, they'll see that actually the earnings power of these businesses in the not-too-distant future is going to be really quite significant and therefore the stocks will move pretty rapidly.
0: I think we had a little test case at the end of last week too. Yeah. I don't want to draw massive conclusions from that, but on the point that you're just making, which is that stock markets and uh, markets in general will anticipate these moves, we we, we saw a large one last, last week. The move on Thursday in the U.S. time was as large a one-day move in stock prices upwards that we've seen since the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's right. So in- inflation has really started to decelerate, and you know, in November, you're referring to they released the October CPI numbers in the U.S. and and October was the first month you might recall we sort of flagged this in a prior monocle, but October 2021 was kind of the first month where uh, inflation really jumped, and so you know the year-on-year comparison is is you know starts to make it such that inflation October twenty twenty two really starts to leg down in terms of deceleration, um, and that happened, and it really you know it probably marked the peak of of U.S. inflation. And what's really interesting is if you look at you know at least the next five months going forward that prior period base effect just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. So for the next five months, you're going to see most likely you know, continued deceleration in uh, US inflation. Um, and all the other leading indicators that we look at are all showing significantly decelerating uh, contributors to US inflation. Uh, some elements are in sharp deflation and, and sort of will be next year. So Uh, There's strong evidence to suggest that, believe it or not, the worst could actually be behind us Um, and the monetary tightening that has caused so much pain throughout this year will, in the not too distant future, uh, Mm. not be tightening Mm. anywhere near as much. And remember, even if interest rates continue to go up from here, it's not about whether they go up or not. It's whether or not they go up to the extent that is already priced in today. And our, our view is that they probably won't. And that'll be a really nice or an incrementally nicer period um, for equities. Remember, y- you've got a nice period for equities in the not too distant future at a time when valuations are very, very low of earnings, which are temporarily depressed. So well, you you, well. you really could have this spring-loaded effect where you get earnings will come back, multiple will re-rate and the uh, the uh, environment uh, from a monetary perspective will be a little more favourable.
0: So as you get those more favourable conditions, you can have sort of those um, days in the equity market like last Thursday. We can't predict when they're going to be. No. What we do know, and I was reminded of by Ahmet, a senior member of our research team, is that if you miss those days, if you miss... The 10 best, if you would have missed the 10 best days in the market over the last 30 years, your returns would have been cut in half. And so he reminded me that $10,000 invested in 1992, held through 30 years, would have turned into $200,000. But if you missed the 10 best days, the ones that we, like the ones that we saw last Thursday, that two, a more than $200,000 return would be less than $100,000. so we don't know when they're going to come but it just says that you don't want to miss those and if you can be invested in good businesses that are going to make money over time over five years and ten years uh, you should be thinking really hard about being invested in those now rather than thinking that you know you can you can time it and you can find a better time to commit your capital because it's probably already run by the time you can't get around to doing that
1: yeah no, that's right. It's a, it's a really good message. It's a powerful message. Um, like, we understand how difficult 2022 has been. Uh, but really, that's a, a, a powerful argument to just stay the course, stay invested. Um, and uh, more days like, like Thursday and Friday uh, will come. We we'll we'll can't promise when. Yeah. I
0: reckon that's a great place to end for today. Um But before we go, I just want to remind everybody to look out for – um, two new articles that we published this this month, um, one on the case for optimism in in spite of everything that's going on, all the doom and gloom and uncertainty that um, we read about and we see in equity markets. There is a ton of advance uh, advancements going on in technology in a lot of the companies that we've spoken about today, and Andy's written an article on some of those, so definitely look out for that one. And there's a second article there, which you should look out for, which talks about how we uh, filter the whole equity universe of thousands of stocks down to the ones that are going to be the winners and ultimately the ones that we have invested in in the portfolio today. So with that, uh, we'll leave it for for this month and uh, we'll speak to you again next month. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Chris. See you next time.